when we start to get comfortable with asking our team for help, when we learn to park the ego and get rid of this idea that we have to have all of the answers, we get to truly tap into all of the expertise, experience, knowledge and creativity of those people that we've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. This is Ben Morton and a very warm welcome to episode 76 of the podcast. And this episode is taking a slightly different format to usual in so much as it's just me talking to you. Now that's not because we struggled to get a guest for today's episode. It was a very deliberate choice based on some feedback that I've been getting over the past few months. And that feedback came from listeners to the show and also from my own team. And the theme of that feedback was basically along the lines of people saying to me, Ben, do you know what? One of the things that we think that is missing from your show is you. Now, I wasn't quite sure what they meant to start with, but as I dug into it and asked some more questions, I realised that people were asking me to share a little bit more of my leadership journey, some of my lessons, experiences and top tips. So that's what I'm going to be doing for you with my team. So in today's episode, what I'm going to be talking to you about is one of the very first and most powerful pieces of leadership advice or lessons that I ever learned, which also just so happens to be very, very similar, if not the same, as one of the most common lessons that the MDs and CEOs that I've interviewed for the show have shared with me. It's one of their biggest learnings as well. But before we get into today's episode, please allow me just a few minutes of your time to talk to you about Friendworks, who are sponsoring this episode of the pod. Friendworks is a lead discovery tool that I've been using for quite some time now in my own business. And its premise is very simple. Your professional networks are always changing. In fact, research tells us that around 23% of your professional network could change roles every year. And you probably realize that a large percentage of your business opportunities come from those networks. But the question is, how do you keep a tab on not only your own networks, but those of the people in your entire business? You've probably got silos within your business where people are doing this monitoring very effectively. But I bet that work isn't standardised, it certainly wasn't in my business, and that it happens infrequently. This means that you could be missing out on lots of business opportunities. Friendworks helps to minimise this risk by monitoring your professional networks for you. As a friend of this podcast, you can get a 5% discount on the cost of Friendworks by quoting code BENMORTON5. And to help you quantify how Friendworks could help your business, they've got a really cool lead calculator tool on their website. So please do visit their website. It's at www.friend-works.com and the link is also in the show notes. But for now, let's get back to today's episode. So I said I would share the very first and potentially most powerful piece of leadership advice that I ever received, and I can remember it as if it were yesterday. 
And I wonder also here if you can remember the very first piece of leadership advice that you ever received. Mine was when I was 14 and a half years old. It was a crisp February morning. I was at secondary school and I left my house to walk the regular one mile walk to school. My shoes were immaculately polished, but I had them in my rucksack and I was wearing my trainers. My trousers and shirt were perfectly ironed and I walked to school sort of holding my trousers a little bit hitched up so I wouldn't get mud all, all around the ankles. And all of this was because that was the day where I was meeting, being interviewed and to a degree coached by a major in the army, getting me ready to go along to the army officer selection board. So I did this mile walk to school and when I got there, I put my perfectly polished shoes on and did my best to avoid any mud all day so I could turn up to that interview looking like a soldier, I guess. And as he was talking me through what would happen when I went away for this two-day assessment centre in a few months' time when I was nearly 15, I guess, he was explaining what would happen. And it was the classic, I guess, sort of assessment centre where, amongst other things, one of the things we had to do was um, get me and my team and a box of ammunition across a chasm or kind of over a bridge that had kind of been destroyed or, or whatever. And he explained to me that I would complete a series of tasks where there was no leader and they just wanted to see who naturally emerged as a leader and how effectively we could work as a team member. Because again, as an aside here, I think in order to be a brilliant leader, you have to be able to be a fantastic team player as well. And that major from the army also told me that there would be another time where I would be the designated leader. I'd be given the briefing for what I had to achieve separately from the rest of the team. I would have, I think it was three minutes planning time to formulate a plan. And then I'd go back, have to brief my team and have a certain amount of time, maybe 15 or 20 minutes to complete the, the task or activity itself. And this is the point in which he shared this brilliantly powerful piece of leadership advice. He said to me, when you go to brief the team, if you are still not clear on what your plan is and the best way to accomplish the task or the mission that you've been given, then simply brief your team and ask them for ideas. He said, Ben, it is not your job as a leader to have all of the answers all of the time. And that piece of advice has always, always stuck with me. And as chance would have it, the particular task that I had to lead, it was quite a complicated one without an obvious solution. And I sat there with my two or three minutes planning time trying to work out what to do. And I didn't know. And I started panicking a little bit. And then just before my planning time was up, I remembered those absolute words of wisdom from the army major. And I suddenly felt better. And I went to my team of other boys and girls, I briefed them on the task and said, all right, guys, what ideas have you got? And a few came out, I grabbed the best one, I thanked them for their ideas, and then I led the execution of that plan. And that really is the key point here. We don't need to have all of the answers all of the time.
There was a, another really significant lesson I learned from that um, army major in that briefing session as well. I'm not sure if this is purely a leadership lesson. I think it's much more of a life lesson as well. And there's a slightly funny story to this. As part of that, that meeting with the army major, he was also interviewing me to start assessing my leadership capability and if I had the, the skills, attitude, character, I guess, to become a, a, an officer in the army. And as part of that interview, he asked what I was like on current affairs and if I regularly read a, a broadsheet newspaper. Now, as I've said, at the time, I was 14 and a half years old. Of course, I didn't regularly read a broadsheet newspaper. Um, on a good week, I might have watched John Craven's News Round once or twice. For those of you of a certain age and in the UK, you'll remember good old John Craven's News Round. And I might very occasionally have picked up a copy of the Daily Mail that my dad had lying around in the kitchen. But I didn't read a broadsheet newspaper. So what did I say when the major said, Ben, do you uh, read a newspaper? Are you up on current affairs? I said, yes, sir. Of course I do. He said, ah, Brilliant. Great. In that case, Ben, imagine I've been on Mars for the last six months and I've just come back to planet Earth and landed. Tell me what's going on. And the, the game was up. I'd been rumbled and I knew it. And I panicked and I floundered. I probably went red and looked very, very sheepish. And the major knew what was going on and I didn't even need to say anything. And again, he taught me that, that lesson there about honesty, about telling the truth, not trying to bluff. And he said, going forward, Ben, start reading the paper so you're up on current affairs. And again, I think that is another great lesson in leadership and life, right? But let's get back to the key point of this episode and this principle, fact, belief that as leaders, it's not our job to have all of the answers. In fact, it's probably arrogant of us to think that we should and will have all of the answers. And I think if we are also creating an environment where our team or even the organisation really relies on us as the leader to always have all of the answers, we're really setting our team, department, function, or again, the organisation up to fail. And we set them up to fail because in our absence, whether that be our absence because we are unwell or our absence because we're on holiday or even our absence because we've moved on and left the organisation, then people simply won't know what to do because we become this font of all knowledge, the source of all the ideas and the source of all the direction. In that situation, we will become what Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great, calls or describes as the genius with a thousand helpers. I think one of the main things that gets in the way, that stops us maybe asking other people or our team for their thoughts and ideas, or maybe one of the things that stops us saying, look guys, this is the challenge we've got. I'm not exactly sure of the right way to go at this moment. What do you think? I mean, the thing that gets in the way for many of us is this false notion, this false belief, and it absolutely is a false belief, that saying we don't know or asking our team for help and for their ideas is a sign of weakness and somehow it will damage our credibility. But actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. And it's the opposite that's true. Asking our team for their input, for their ideas, occasionally from time to time saying, you know what, guys, this is the challenge. 
I'm not sure of the way to go right now. What do you think? That demonstrates true strength of character. It shows a level of inner confidence that we are comfortable enough in our skin to ask our team for their input and their ideas. There are countless other benefits as well from occasionally saying we're not sure and asking our team for their input and ideas. Number one, it shows that we're human as well. And if the global pandemic has highlighted anything, it's the fact that we are all human. And I think we have all appreciated seeing our bosses, our leaders, our colleagues and teammates on a much more human level. Enables us to connect with each other much more deeply. Number two, when we say, hey guys, I'm not sure, it makes it okay and starts to create the environment and culture where others can say that as well. Instead of trying to bluff and pretend that they know what they're doing, which clearly leads to all sorts of problems, mistakes, errors further down the line. Thirdly, it starts to tackle imposter syndrome. And we all suffer from imposter syndrome from time to time. So many of the guests on this show have spoken about imposter syndrome. So many of the senior leaders that I coach and mentor privately behind closed doors have spoke to me about the fact that they've experienced imposter syndrome from time to time. And when we say, I'm not sure, guys, what do you think? It starts to take the power away from our inner imposter. The fourth benefit is when we start to get comfortable with asking our team for help, when we learn to park the ego and get rid of this idea that we have to have all of the answers, we get to truly tap into all of the expertise, experience, knowledge and creativity of those people that we've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And the fifth benefit, potentially the most important, is that it shows our people that we truly value them and we truly want to hear their ideas and their input. Another thing for us all to consider here as we start to really deconstruct this idea or principle of leaders not having to have all of the answers is that as leaders, we absolutely do not have a monopoly on good ideas nor are we immune to the occasional crap idea. We all come up with dumb ideas from time to time. I know I certainly do, I have in the past, and I will continue to do so in the future. And when we have one of those dumb ideas, we usually look back on it with the benefit of hindsight, which is always 2020 vision, right? And we say to ourselves things like, why did I ever think that was a good idea? It's obvious when we look back on them. And those dumb ideas usually come about for a number of reasons. It could be because we were rushing, under pressure, or we were stressed. And a knock-on effect of that is that when we are rushing, under pressure, or stressed, many of us can stop asking other people for their opinion and input. We can sometimes retreat into ourselves. As leaders, we can go very directive or autocratic. So what this means is, Even if we think we've got what is a really great idea, we should still be asking others for their input, ideas, thoughts, challenges, bills, whatever label or word you want to put on this, but always checking in with our ideas because it might prevent us executing a dumb idea or it might make a good idea even better. 
Let me now address a question or a thought that I suspect many of you have been pondering as you've been listening to me talking about this concept of leaders not needing to have all the ideas and asking our team for their ideas and input. So clearly we don't need to take this approach all of the time, nor should we. There will be times when a decision absolutely needs to be made. That could be when we're in a crisis situation, when we are really under pressure and the times when actually everybody is just looking to us as the leader to make a decision. And that's absolutely okay, and it's the right thing to do. As with so much of leadership though, everything is a balance. It's around judging the situation and the context, thinking about the people you are leading and what's the best leadership style or approach to take in order to get the best from them and to achieve whatever objective or goal it is you're setting out to achieve. There'll be times when, yes, we need to and we can ask for help and there'll be other times when we absolutely just need to make a decision. For example, if we were all together in a workshop scenario and I'm running a leadership course for for you, a whole host of listeners for this show, and suddenly there's a fire in the corner of the training room. In that situation, I'm not going to go, hey guys, so uh, our aim is to get out of this room as quickly as we can. Anyone got any ideas on the best way to do it? Clearly that's not going to work. In that situation, you're looking to me as a facilitator to tell you where the exits are and where the fire assembly point is. So I'm going to be very, very directive in that situation. It's a daft example, but it proves the point. The next point to consider here is that regardless of how we've come up with our plan, whether it's been done very collaboratively with the team or whether we've been quite directive and autocratic, plans can always be changed. It's very rare, if ever the case, that once we've started delivering and executed on a plan, it can't be changed. In fact, when I was in the British Army, we had a saying that regularly got trotted out, which was, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Mike Tyson once quoted a variation of that, which was along the lines of, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And this is certainly true in my experience in the business world. I think there are few things as foolish as ploughing on with a bad plan purely in order to save face. And yet it happens so often. Psychologists call this the sunk cost fallacy, which basically describes the human tendency to follow through on an endeavour if we've already invested a significant amount of time, effort or money into it, regardless of whether or not those costs outweigh the benefit. I think often this is because a limited chance of the plan coming good in the future feels better than our perceived view of what people will think of us or how they will judge us if we pull the plug on that plan right now. So we plough on regardless. You see it time and time again in major government procurement projects, for example. That's nearly it for this episode, folks. But let me perhaps recap with four main points from this episode. Number one, the most important point. It is not our job as leaders to have all of the answers all of the time. Number two, 
asking our team for their ideas or for their input is not a sign of weakness. It's actually the opposite. It's a sign of great strength of character and inner confidence. Number three, even if we're clear on the plan ourselves, it's nearly always worthwhile testing that plan with a number of people. It helps us avoid dumb ideas and it helps us turn good plans into great plans. And number four, remember, any plan can always be changed. In fact, expect your plans to change because they nearly always will. That's it for this first episode in the new format, folks, which I didn't share this at the beginning, but it basically means my podcast now will consist of three different types of episodes. There'll be the standard interviews with MDs, CEOs and subject matter experts in a particular niche area of leadership that you've come to know and love. There will be the new medley episodes where we have five or six different leaders all answering one specific leadership question and giving us their top tips around that. They're the short medley episodes. And then there'll be the occasional solo episode like this. And actually, if you want more of these episodes and you want me to talk about a specific topic, then please drop me an email. You'd know the email already by now. It's chat at ben-morton.com. I'd love to hear from you and I'll see if I can answer some of your questions in a future episode. So that's what the show is going to look like going forward. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've got value from it, I would love it if you could do me a favour and head over to Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down past all of the episodes until you see the rate and review section. If you click then on see all on the right hand side, it will expand down and you can give it a star rating and write a really short review. I'd be massively grateful if you could do that as it really does help us and it does enable us to keep bringing you more and more episodes of the show. And once you've done that, do head over to my website www.ben-morton.com where you can find loads more great resources to help you on your leadership journey. But that is it for this episode, folks. Take care. See you again in another episode very soon and lead on. Lead on.